Hey there! Welcome to Dogs Who Smarter Than People, the quirky podcast that brings you writing tips and life tips. I'm Sean, and with me as always is Carrie Jones, New York Times and international best-selling author and awesome woman. I'm also Sean's wife, so he has to say that. We always start our podcast with a random thought, and then we go into the writing tip and the dog tip. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy! Hey, it's Random Thought in the Office. Hey, baby. I am here. You kind of snuck that in on me there. I wasn't really ready. I'm here, too. What? Yeah. Are you sure you're here? I'm sure I'm here. Are we sure? Are you sure you're here? Are we sure anyone is here? Because today... I thought that we should talk about mullets, man. All right. There was this adorable fourth grader from Florida. Yeah. And he was in the running for a championship that I somehow did not know existed. Yeah. Which is America's best mullet. Really? I didn't know that existed either. I know. And this little kid was a fourth grader um, from Pasco County, Florida. His yeah. name is Caden, K-A-Y-D-E-N. Yeah. yeah. Manning, like Peyton Manning. That's but right. Caden Manning. And he is nine, and he plays sports, and his coach always called him Mullet Man. <laughs> He's nine, and he has the word man. He's got a pretty nickname. good mullet going on. He had a great mullet, and he had the American flag in the, in the short part of his yeah. hair. For those of you who don't know what a mullet is, Shawnee, what's a mullet, man? What's a mullet? Yeah. Oh, it's business in the front, party in the back. That's right. It's a haircut. Shorter kept hair in the front and it's long flowing locks in the back. And the mullet has a pretty long history, doesn't it? Like, I don't uh, know. Does it? Yeah. One of our friends, um, Mike Staggs, yeah. got really upset because people were like, the mullet's like an 80s thing. And he's like, no. Is it like Native American? No. no. But he's... He's like, the mullet has been alive and well far, far before Billy Ray Cyrus. And like, um, before Mullet Head, the Beastie Boys classic of 1994. <laughs> and this guy wrote a book called Mullet Madness and um, Alan Henderson. And he thinks that the prehistoric peoples probably had the practical benefit of party in the front. I mean, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> Keeping it short in the front. And he also believes that um, Greek statues yeah. show a mullet. I'm not quite mm. sure about that. David Bowie definitely had a mullet. What? Native American tribes, man. Oh, well, yeah. Benjamin Franklin doesn't count. He's just bald in the front. I know. He also counts. <laughs> He's looking for it because he thought Benjamin Franklin had a mullet, but instead it's a skullet. It's a skullet. Which is bald on top <laughs> and long in the back. <laughs> that David Bowie? Yeah, yeah, David Bowie definitely had a mullet. Uh, but like, the mullet, anyway, so there's a championship that's that happens every year called the USA Mullet Champs. Oh, you went to the page, huh? Yeah, and Caden, Caden did not win. First place went to a young man, not mullet man, but young man, Alan Baltz from Jonesboro, Arkansas, with 25,000 votes. Over 100,000 people voted. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this kid, though, I looked him up, and he's adorable. He's like the nicest kid ever, and we have the link to this um, in the podcast notes, but um, he's 11. 
He's from Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. He gets to be champion for a whole year. <laughs> um, and he's got some really cool shades. He's got a blonde mullet. It kind of makes me think of what your mullet would look like, baby. Uh, I can't do a mullet. Yeah, you can. You know what you can win? $2,500. <laughs> oh, you know that? That's I don't worth know it. if it's worth it. That's worth it. I don't know. It's worth it. Uh, <laughs> Just a year, man. All right. So, anyways, this adorable child didn't keep the money. Like he wasn't interested in the competition. Yeah. But then he found out you can win, and then he was like, "Oh, all right," because he wanted to give the money away. I see that. Because he and his twin sister were foster children before they were adopted. That's amazing. And so he wanted to like give it, the money to the kids, other kids in the foster care what system. What a good kid. Who weren't as lucky as him. Yeah, you, Alan. And, and his mommy said um, they've done diapers and wipes for birthday gifts instead of gifts from their friends for several years. And so this is who he is. And it's just really cool that other people get to see it too. That's awesome. That's amazing. And then Alan told um, the local newspaper, I know I'm one of the really lucky ones because I have a great mom and dad who adopted me, and I really want to be able to help other kids who are looking for their forever homes. This money will really help people who are working with foster kids. (laughs) That's amazing. I know. Isn't that like the sweetest thing? So how many categories do they have? Oh, well, gosh darn it. Let's not talk about the sweet kid. They have... USA Mullet Champions for kids, yep. for teens, for men, and the Femullet. The Femullet. <laughs> the Femullet? I don't know how to say it, but it's a women's division. I see that. And the women have some major mullets going on. <laughs> and the guy who won uh, first place for the men's, uh-huh. his name, he's from uh, Knoxville, and he won with 17,000 votes. Um, the women don't seem to get as many votes. Not hardly at all. Because the women who, who the woman who won Cassidy Jensen won with eight hundred and forty eight votes. That's crazy. As opposed to the kids' competition of twenty five thousand. Anyways, so Clint won, and Clint is an interesting man because he said, like, um, you know, the business in the front. Part in the back. Yeah. It's not just a fun quote. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> 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 and he didn't have any social media following, but he just won. Anyway, because his mullet game was strong, right? Yeah. And he also won Pit Viper sunglasses. I don't know what those are. I don't know what they are either. All right. Um, and apparently the money that the organization makes ends up going towards veteran suicide prevention. And Clint is a veteran. Oh. Um, and he told, again, we have a link in here, WVLT-TV, um, about his mullet. It feels better. It smells better. It sounds better. You can hear it cracking in the wind when you're on a lake or driving down the road on an interstate. And he's like, you can't have a bad day when you have my hair. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he deserves that, I think. He's got a good attitude. Sometimes he shaves Dale Earnhardt's number three into the side of his head. Oh. Yeah. You know, and his mullet's 10 inches long and his daughter, who's nine, gets embarrassed about it. But then she's like, oh, well, money. No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, I'm not cutting this until I win a championship. Well, he's won now, right? did. So I want to know if like he really cut it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe his daughter said, you don't have to cut it, daddy. I don't know. $2,500. What do you think? You want to do? I don't think it's worth it. 
You'd never try. See, they don't have a senior division. <laughs> I don't know. Flint doesn't look that young, does he? Um, no. <laughs> not, not, maybe close to our age, yeah. <laughs> close to, we're young. We are young. We're so young. We're a young for our age. <laughs> but not young enough for Sean to be brave enough to... I can rock a mullet, but there's so much work. So much work. So much time. Writing tip of the pod. So this podcast is called Man, That's a Beautiful Mullet, and how to pace your novel, <laughs> or how to pace your hair. Should your, should your novel be business in the front and party in the back? All the time, man. Woo! <laughs> Excellent. All right, so... Just like hanging out with a friend or listening to an instructor drone on and on about the beauty and history of a mullet, the keys to controlling your novel's pacing are language and conflict and scene sequence and stakes. That's a lot. Yeah. Good lord. So we're going to talk about that today. All right. So honey, what's pacing? Pacing, baby, is how fast or slow the story goes or the podcast goes for the listener slash reader. Really? Yeah. And you want to know what a big way to impact paces? Language. Language. Yeah, let's start with word choice, right? Okay. The words you choose can speed up the reader or slow them down. Oh, yeah. So, like, if I say, um, Sean is hot, those are all quick little words, right? Yeah. You're like, ooh, short sentence. I'm going to read on, right? Boom, boom, boom. Point across quickly. Yes, but if I say, Sean's elaborate workout, which extends, extenuated his um, tricep muscles and elongated them in a very exciting way that the sinews of... I'm already asleep, man. Exactly. So that slows the pace. So shorter <laughs> words, faster pace usually. Got you. Longer words, slower pace. So... Um, the way words are grouped together also impacts, you know, the mm-hmm. pace, how right. fast or slow or how well you can listen or read the story. So the other four quick things are dialogue and short paragraphs, and short sentences, and action. All right. So those four things tend to speed your story up, right? Gotcha. And these things below that Sean will tell us, they slow the story down. Descriptive passages. Oh, don't do it that. <laughs> long <laughs> paragraphs, long sentences, abstract language, a lot of talk about feelings. <laughs> don't do that here. <laughs> Flashbacks. Don't do that either. Information dumps. Every day. So. <laughs> I'm on my second information dump already today. I've had four. So special what? help. If all your sentences are the same length and are constantly like parallel in construction, you lull the reader to sleep. And we don't want any sleepy readers, right? No, definitely not. If you fall asleep, you run the risk of getting a mullet. Yeah, you might wake up with a mullet. Yeah, man. American flag in the side of your head. Mullet. Dude, I just got a thing about our podcast. And apparently we're doing really well in Belgium. Who, who sent you that? Apple Podcast. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Belgium, right. huh? Yeah. Well, I hope Belgium. they like mullets. Mullet! All right, so another way to impact your pacing is... Conflict and steaks. All right, so in this... who doesn't love a good steak? Not that kind. This is like the uh, kind you drive into a vampire's vampire. heart. Oh! Um, which is a lot of conflict if you're trying to kill a vampire. I spent blood. 
So in the scenes that you choose, there needs to be some stakes and some conflict. And stakes happen when your reader cares about the character and is worried about what might happen to them if they don't get their goals. In every scene you write in your book, every scene that stays in there, right? Yeah. This is so important. There needs to be a stake or a goal. All right. Because All right. if nothing's happening in your scene, it doesn't matter how beautiful your words are. Your readers are going to slow down and stop reading. Right. You know what I mean? Like I they want to be rooting for a character to get something. Got to have some stakes, right? Right? Yeah. So. You can't just have your character chilling with her bestie if there's no point in that chilling. You need <laughs> obstacles and tension. And the reader needs to think, yikes, what happens if they fail? Yikes. It's really one of the biggest things about pacing. Because not having conflict and stakes and tension, it makes the reader stop reading. Right. So, like, the mullet competition, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if there were no stakes, if it wasn't a competition, would anybody enter it? No, but people would still grow mullets. Yeah, but would we would we care as much? I wonder why Joe Deerte, not Joe Deerte, <laughs> <laughs> not Joe Dirt. I wonder. That's really funny that my brain made that. I wonder why Joe Exotic didn't enter the mullet competition. Who's Joe Exotic? The lion or Tiger King? Oh, is that his real name? No, that's not his real name. Oh. I don't know his real name. The guy that's his real Joe name right is now. Joe Dirte. <laughs> <laughs> Dirte. He's a perfume. I confused. A fictitious, but basically good character with... Joe Dirt. With, the Tiger King. The Tiger also King. kind of a fictitious character. But not a good character. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time I give a speech, right? Yeah. Somebody told me, like, Carrie, it's like I'm watching Janis Joplin. I'm, like, totally into it because yeah. I'm afraid... You're going to fall off the stage. <laughs> Which is kind of an insult, but also what makes me a good speaker. Because right. I never seem scripted. I'm right in the moment and that always gives people like a, holy crap, what's she going to do next? She's going to totally F this up, right? Yeah. So you want that feeling also in your novel. Like you want the stakes to be there. Is that why there's always like a row of chairs on the left hand of every stage you have to give a speech on? <laughs> So Keep you away from the edge <laughs> <laughs> on the left hand side. Fair enough. All right, so scene sequence also impacts your pace. Yeah. So this is a big one, right? And it's really hard for authors to get this one for some reason. Um, but in your story, just like in your life, there will be action moments and turning points. And then moments when you think about those big action moments. Like, you know, you're like Win the mullet competition. It's a turning point. And then you have a little moment where you think about winning. Right. right. So Dwight Swain, an ancient man from a long, long time ago, <laughs> called these moments in a, in a book scenes and sequels. Scenes are the action moments and sequels are the reflective moments. Or as oh. I like to call them because that usually really gets people confused because they're like, so a sequel is not a scene. And you're like, no, it's a scene. It's a scene. It's just that type of scene. Right. So I like to call them loud scenes and quiet scenes. Oh. And you want these scenes to be balanced so that the reader doesn't get bored from too many quiet, reflective scenes or the opposite with too many loud scenes and scream, this is too much. Ah, the anxiety. Kind of like people watching the Squid Game, right? Right. So Randy Ingramanson of the snowflake method gives three components to each 
Active loud scene, which would also be the action moment, right? Right. Component number one, goal. Yeah. Have a goal, right? Have a goal. Your character needs a goal. You got to have a goal. Get that moment grown. Number two, conflict. Somebody to sets make it fire exciting, to your moment. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and number three, disaster. So each active action loud scene needs to have a goal, a conflict, and a disaster. And oh, then in wow. the quieter sequel scenes, you need... Reaction. To the disaster. Dilemma. What do you do now? And decision. This is where I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to regrow my mullet. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? I lost my mullet in a horrible accident. It was a mullet accident. I got it caught in the disposal in the sink. No, a doggy drooled all over it. And then... Oh, I wouldn't cut it off because of that. No, and then... But the doggy had, had egg yolk first, and so yeah. it kind of like caked your mullet. Yeah. And then you couldn't get it off. I just wash it. No, you couldn't. It couldn't was like glue. It, it was like glue in your mullet. You had to cut it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, you used some of that um, Gorilla Glue Spray for That's right, for, for your, your hair product. <laughs> for your mullet. There you go. <laughs> so how do you put all this together really quickly, hopefully? You want to look at the structure of your story and break it down and make the scene, make scenes or chapter cards or just a list, right? Um, that tells you um, what is going on with your scenes, right? So you can just keep track? Yes. Um, and then you want to... Look at where the story ramps up and slows down. And then you want to use the sentences and paragraphs and chapters and scene lengths to manipulate the pace of your story to go slower or faster where you see fit. You also want to think about if your characters are too introspective. Because in general... That slows it down, right? Oh, yeah. Like oh, God, yeah. And then if you think about if you're right... Think about if your writing lacks any detail or does it have too much. Do you wax poetic about the mullet on your main character for 12 pages? God, I hope not. No, you should not do that. No mullet's worth 12 pages. But, you know, if your main character does have a mullet... Mention it. Um, (laughs) Think about each of your scenes. Do they show character or plot development? Are there obstacles going on? Does your main character want something in the scene? They need to. They need to desire something. Yeah. Like an extra inch on the back of their mullet. Seven. Have people read it and ask if the story felt too rushed or too slow and where? And then finally, Shani. Remember, we need slow-paced scenes, too. Not just fast ones. That's right. You got to have variety. Or you'll lull the reader again, you know? Like, you can't just be zoom, zoom, zoom all the time. Can't be all sex scenes. People got to sleep sometimes, too. Yeah. (laughs) Or go to the bathroom. So, the writing tip (laughs) of the pod. All controlled is... I mean, all condensed (laughs) is... Control! Um, Control your pacing and control your story. Sounds like a good one. Yeah, man. Control your mullet, control your life. <laughs> the best mullet can't be controlled. It has a mind of its own. It's probably true. Heck yeah. Oh, for life. Speaking of dogs, you know who else has a mullet? Dog, the bounty hunter. That's right. He hasn't He's found failing, Brian though. He hasn't laundry found Brian Laundry person. yet, though. I'm disappointed, dog. <sighs> getting old. You're getting old. Don't be mean. Dog. I'm not being mean. Although he's probably... Not, I don't know anything about him, honestly. Me neither. Other than he does have a mullet. Stop yeah. looking at me. Give me the <laughs> right. That's my mullet looking at you, baby. <laughs> the back. Party. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> so. Yes. Sparty says. Sparty's our dog. Sparty's our dog? Yeah. Oh, 
Well, if they have somebody listening for the first time, they might. I thought he was like the third part of our uh, thruple. <sighs> Just because he sleeps on the bed, that's creepy. <laughs> we had a quadruple last night for we a little did. bit. We put oh, Gabby on the bed so she felt included, and Sean complained the whole time. Gabby is our big old dog. Four bodies is too much in one. Three's all right. Babe, you're not counting the cats. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Um, all right, anyways. Living in a freaking zoo here. It is. It's like Tiger King. It's like Tiger King. Anyways. Sparty. Club kind of move, but, okay. The tiger cage? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good name. Okay, no, no. All right. Mullets and dogs here. and life tips, baby. Focus. Humans are always go, 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 is what Sparty said from his sleeping position on the love seat. That's true. He's always sleeping on the love Have seat. Have we ever sat on that love seat? No, we've never sat we on the love seat. It's always been <sighs> Sparty's. Okay. Humans are always go, go, go. Life is too fast-paced for humans. <laughs> so your role so you can enjoy your belly rubs, walks, and treats. That's true. We had a good night last night. I got to enjoy all three of those things. <laughs> Belly rubs, walks, and treats. We did. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Smarty gives out good advice. He does. He's a good dog. He does. He knows how to live, man. <laughs> he you know, does he, know how to live. He's got that life-work balance all down for life. No life, life work no work. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> live like a dog, people. Can you imagine a dog with a mullet? Well, then you have to be a long-furred dog to begin with. Oh, man, that'd be cool. But then, well, Gabby's kind of got a mullet. Yeah, that's because of a bad Business trip in the front, to the party in the bottom. Because it's got to be like party on the bottom for a dog. <laughs> that's wrong. Well, party in the bottom. Right? Oh! Hey, thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate your time. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this marvelous (laughs) podcast with all of your friends. Hey, the music that we've clipped and shortened in this podcast is awesome and made available through the Creative Commons license. The artist and the song is Summer Spliff by Broke for Free. And we have a new podcast. Loving the Strain. And another one, Be Brave Fridays. And? And? I don't know. Well, they're available everywhere, babe. Oh, uh, yeah. You like, can find them on Carrie's Facebook, Carrie's Twitter, Carrie's LinkedIn. My blog site and, and you, you can, Amazon. If you just look up Carrie Jones Books or Carrie Jones Book. You can find us. You can find her all over the internet. All over. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds creepy. Well, I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. Because then we'll have to redo this next week. <laughs> and Carrie's publishing a new book at... The beginning of every month until when? Until February, probably. Yeah? Yeah, man. All right. All right. right. Be sure to check them out. Yay us and yay you. Thanks for surviving this podcast with us. That's right. Have a wonderful day.